messy donuts doused in syrup, a twist on empanadas, and a lesser-known wine-producing country. This week, we're back in Bolivia. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. This is the show where we explore the world's cuisine. And this week, we're back in Bolivia with travel writer Shafik Meji. But first, let me tell you where I'm at. I'm back in Austin, Texas, place I lived for several years, and I'm here to take care of a little business and visiting some old friends. And since it's Sunday when I'm recording this, I'm at the Mueller Farmer's Market in Austin. It's a huge producers-only market, and producers-only means no wholesalers, no middlemen, no distributors. If you see veggies here, they were grown by the farmer. If you see mushrooms, they were grown right here in Austin, Texas by the vendor. It's a great market, and it's won the best farmer's market in Austin several years running. My guest this week is Shafik Meji. Shafik is an award-winning travel writer who's written travel guides to tons of locations all over the world for publications like DK and Rough Guide. And his latest book is Crossed Off the Map, Travels in Bolivia. It's out now. Shafik was on the podcast last week talking about Bolivia and there's just too much stuff to talk about Bolivia. It's culture, it's history, it's food. So I split the conversation into two parts. And if you haven't heard part one, be sure to listen to that as well. It was a great talk. You can get that um, link to the show and all of Shafik's other appearances on Destination Eat Drink. He talks about places like Chile and Easter Island and Argentina. Uh, great talks we've had with Shafik over the past few years. You can get all that in the show notes. That's at radiomisfits.com slash ded one seven seven on this week's show we talk about his adventures in bolivia and the best food he had there including street food and wine from nuns plus shafik answers my question about coca leaves in bolivia it's quite the story and i'm starving so let's eat destination eat drink Let's talk about street food, Shafik, because you talked about street food in several different places in Bolivia. And one of them that sounded really good was uh, El Altro. This is the town you talked about that's growing so fast, if, if I'm not mistaken. Um, t tell me about the street food scene there. What kind of stuff can we get when we're wandering around El Altro? El Alto is the, uh, is the highest city on Earth. It's, it, it's, it's more than 4,000 meters uh, which well, well over twelve thousand feet above above sea level. So you're it takes a lot of lot of energy to 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 walk around it. But it's a really fascinating place. It's grown really quickly. Has a very strong indigenous Aymara character. It has these um, absolutely kind of you know uh, fascinating uh, places called ch uh, choles, which are these really these these uh, very colourful mansions. That are used for events as well as for homes and for businesses, and they look like spaceships that have, you know, landed from another planet. So it's it's a fascinating place, um, but it's also, you know, it's 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 great for street food, just like uh, neighboring La Paz is, um, and uh, you know, 
you know me, Brent. I, I travel through my stomach, yes, primarily. So, um, uh, and and so the street, yeah, the street food is wonderful to uh, to to throw you throw your way in. I mean, to give you a few examples, there's there's some wonderful deep fried donuts like uh, pastries called bunuelos. You have them absolutely doused in syrup, which you get all over you when you eat, but you don't mind because they're so uh, they're so delicious. Um, you get this uh, kind of very striking uh, glasses of um, like a cinnamon sorbet. It's a rose red. In color, um, but that's delicious. You get uh, papas regenas, which are like stuffed balls of mashed potato, and you have it with kind of eat it from your hands in grease proof paper with like an array of salsas. Uh, and of course, you know, in you know, we're in we're we're in South America, something you get across South America, but Bolivia offers its own twist on them are empanadas, and uh, and in and in Bolivia, you often get them called as uh, salteñas. Um, which are uh, similar to Cornish pasties, if you haven't come across them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're piping hot, stuffed with beef and boiled eggs and olives and peas or vegetables or cheese. Uh, yeah, and they're absolutely delicious. And you can get them in our, in our Alto, but the absolutely the best in Bolivia are from the, uh, the city of Sucre, which is a beautiful city, kind of uh, a, bit, a bit to the, the east, a lower, more comfortable altitude. Um, it's kind of a UNESCO World Heritage Site, but they serve the absolute uh, best Saltanias, um in, in in the country. Now you also see, you know, we haven't talked about um, uh, llamas <laughs> at all yet, which I think probably is one of the things that people might associate with 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 Bolivia. Uh, and you'd be absolutely right to to do so. Um, but but llama is also a delicious meat as well. It, it is is low in fat. It's very good for you. I kind of try and describe it as a uh, like a gamey version gamey version of pork um but you know if if you travel through the andean regions of bolivia you will definitely eat um llamas and it's an enjoyable thing so you, you'll often get llama dishes served uh, as well and one of the things they they do is charqui which is like dried meat and that's essentially the thing that gave us the word jerky so uh, so so that's something else that you will see in the in the uh, in the in the andean region now, just very quickly to whisk you <laughs> hundreds of kilometers to the east to uh, okay, good. to the city of Santa Cruz, which is in the eastern lowlands, which has a completely different. It's like a tropical climate. Um, you know, it, it has much in common with uh, you know you know parts of parts of Brazil, um, and they have a completely different different um, uh, cuisine. And they have you know hu- you you'll, you'll get huge kebabs, so something called pacamutu, which are absolutely massive, kind of uh, shish style kebabs. Um, and you know you can you, you can eat them on 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 the streets from street vendors as well as in restaurants. Um, so uh, yeah, and 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 kind of fried cassava and you know the more tropical um, kind of uh, vegetables and fruits. So it's just really trying to get across how how diverse this country is, and that's and that's obviously very much reflected in the uh, in, in the menus and in the street food food vendors across the country. One of the stories that I loved reading about Shafik in your book was the nuns of Madras Clarisas, um, because I love it when the nuns make baked goods to sell to, uh, you know, supplement their incomes. And this is a case where they're selling cookies and cakes and also selling their wine. Uh, tell me about these nuns. And did you get to try any of their wine? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. You know, th- 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 this this was kind of in in some ways quite a small moment on my on my you know my my many years of traveling in in, in Bolivia, but it stuck with me because it's such a kind of charming charming moment, really. Um, so it's it's in the uh, 
the the hillside town of Kooiko, which is at the end of um, uh, the world's most dangerous road. I'm using air quotes for the world's most dangerous road there. Um, so, but it's 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 a resort town. It was once a gold mining center, and it's in this beautiful um, kind of bucolic um, uh, location overlooking rolling hills balmy weather and it's uh you know it's, it's, it's a lovely place just to go and uh you know hang out for the weekend to go swimming and go hiking um but if you go there and you know lots and lots of travelers do you've got to go to the uh the local convent convent as you say it's the it's the madres clarices which is just opposite like a little bar um and <laughs> good, good. uh you know you 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 go down a little flight of flight of steps and there's a little buzzer uh, on on the wall, and you 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 ring it. You you wait for a moment, and then a, and a door opens, and there's a small counter. And uh, you know, when, when I visited, there was a uh, you know a, a beaming elderly nun with a real shock of white hair. Um, you know, we had a little bit of a chat, and uh, I said, "Oh, I've I've, I've heard you sell uh, wonderful cakes and biscuits." And she said, "Oh, you, you know, you've come you've come a bit too late. We've sold we've sold out, but we've got some homemade wine." So, um, so sadly, I, ne- I never got to take the, taste the cakes and the biscuits, which by reputation are absolutely delicious. But the uh, but the wine was uh, yeah, the wine the wine was uh, was was delicious. I have to say, and I think particularly with you know when I when I. Uh, uh, Drank it with uh, beautiful, beautiful views as well of the the kind of the subtropical, uh, the subtropical Yungas region. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was it was a charming moment. And uh, yeah, anyone that anyone that passes through uh, Koiko, which is a lovely place just to kick back for a few days, yeah, go and visit the nuns. Uh, you won't be disappointed. The wine always tastes better when you've got a beautiful view or a nice atmosphere, I think. You, you've mentioned the wine a couple of uh, different times in a couple of different places. I. I, I don't think I've seen Bolivian wine in my local liquor store, but they're right next. Bolivia is right next door to a couple of big wine-producing countries, so it makes sense that there would have the proper terrain. They've got hilly climates where they could grow vines. Is is there a lot of wine drunk in Bolivia? Do the locals like it, or does this go out to other countries? Yeah, so so you know the, 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 there is there is certainly a there is certainly a local market for, for for wine in Bolivia, not quite as big as in neighboring Chile or Argentina, uh, and there is also a wine industry um, in the in 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 the, in the country. It's much much smaller than its in its neighbours. Very little of it is, is is exported, and certainly very little of it is exported. Kind of you know beyond beyond South America, sadly. Um, but a lot of the wine is really really good. Um, you know, um, inevitably Bolivia has some of the highest uh, vineyards on earth. You no, know, Bolivia is a high altitude country. Sure, so it has sure. an awful lot of highest things in, in, in the world in, uh, in, in its borders. But it has, um, yeah. And, and that region is, is, is very close to Argentina. You know, the, the kind of the, 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 so the northern, uh, Salta Capajate region of Argentina, which is, which is one of the big wine producing areas. So it produces good reds and good whites as well. And there's also, um, a slightly smaller wine industry, um, over towards the, the east of the country. There's, 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 um, a, you know, like another town called Samaipata, which is, you know, it feels like, heaven on earth really it's a very friendly beautiful place that uh you know you 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 end up going there for a few days and you end up spending a month ah. um but but in that region um they, they've also got some kind of 
small scale vineyards, um, but you know, they're, but they're but they're producing increasingly increasingly good wine. And every time every time I visit, you know, every, every couple of years when I go back, and I've been traveling since traveling to Bolivia since two thousand and four, you know, the wine, the Bolivian wine has become more available. The quality of it's improved, so it's it, it's absolutely something to uh, to check out while you're there. The trouble is, it's often a little bit more expensive than uh, you know wine from, uh, from 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 Chile and Argentina. But uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's definitely worth checking out. I noticed in your book that you talked about uh, the production of a lot of the fruits and grains, and one of them that struck me as I was reading was uh, quinoa. So, do I have uh, Bolivia to blame for the uh, abundance of quinoa that's available at hipster restaurants now? I mean, I mean, I think, I think, I think the hipsters have to take the blame themselves <laughs> okay. for, for that. I, 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 I do not think it's fair for uh, <laughs> Bolivia to uh, <laughs> take on the mantle. But you know, you know, joking aside, an awful lot of you know, but, but Bolivia is famously a, a, a quinoa producer. You know, it's a really, it's uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting crop because it's very, it's grown in the the high altitude and in regions where the, the soil is often quite thin. You know, it grows around the uh, Salar de Uni and the other salt flats where, the, you know, so the soil is quite salty as well. Um, the, the, these places are often quite, um, you know, very arid as well. There's very little rain. So these are tough conditions and, and lots of crops won't grow there. Um, but, but quinoa does, you know, and quinoa, it's sometimes called the, uh, the, the golden grain in in bolivia um you know it, it has been for for millennia a uh, you know a key crop within the country and if you're you know you 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 eat quinoa pretty much on a daily basis in in in, in some region in, in 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 some areas um but yes oh, oh, you know over the last few years it's you know it, it's become a much it's become a big export crop um which has also put the price up locally Actually, um, and and unfortunately, also in some areas, it's led to a bit of monocropping, where it's it's you know it, mm. it's it's been it's been just been grown for for for, for export. But um, but yeah, no, it, it's excellent. And also, once you get there, you realise it's it, it, we think you know often think of quinoa as a single crop, but there's actually lots of different varieties. And uh, you know, and things always taste better if you're eating them in the in in the place that they uh, uh, they're grown in and they originate from. So uh, yeah, so there's a lot of quinoa, and of course, you know, the Andes are the birthplace of the potato as well so you get an awful lot of uh, uh kind of potato dishes in the in in the same region again because they grow in these these often challenging climates uh one thing to look out for with the potatoes is something called chuño which date back to um way before the inca um in Bolivia. and these essentially freeze-dried potatoes it's a way mm. of kind of obviously storing it and and, sure. and it's and, and and they're created well they still use the techniques that have been used for you know for for, for hundreds if not thousands of years which is um essentially exposing them to sharp frost overnight and then allowing them to uh uh you know and and, and then uh the sharp sunshine in the during during the day, and it kind of creates these freeze dried things that you often get in soups and stews, um, and they, they, they often look peb like like pebbly pe- pebbles. They're not necessarily the most um, uh, appealing to the eye, but uh, but they're uh, yeah they're, they're they're an interesting thing to eat, and they have a fascinating history um, as well. 
I did want to talk about coffee. You mentioned how uh, the wine industry in Bolivia is surrounded by these titans of wine production. And I guess coffee would fall under that same category, Shafik, because you're right next to Brazil, who produces mm. all this great coffee. Bolivian coffee is is fairly famous, too. What What's the coffee industry like there? And do Bolivians drink a lot of coffee? I always ask this about a coffee-producing country, because there are coffee-producing countries where the local people don't really drink coffee. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 like, it, it, co- coffee, coffee is definitely widely drunk in Bolivia. It's very easy to get uh, get coffee, and, and actually easy to get good coffee as well. But it doesn't have, you know, it doesn't have the coffee culture that you might think in somewhere like uh, Italy, to use a classic example. Even in South America, it doesn't have the coffee culture of, of neighboring neighboring Argentina. Um, but yeah, it, it 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 it's 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 one of the crops that are widely grown again in the Yungas region, which is where the town of Corico with the nuns is, I mean, that's one of the, uh, the, the bread baskets of, uh, of Bolivia and they go coffee and bananas and cassava and guavas and all of that kind of, kind of thing. You also get excellent coffee from the Amazon region. And, uh, you know, whenever I visit Bolivia, I always bring back some, uh, some, some, uh, coffee that's grown in, you know, really some of the most biodiverse places on earth. And that's kind of, it's delicious. It's kind of got slightly, um, fruity flavor to it so uh so yeah so, co- so yeah so co- co- coffee is wide drunk but they do have you know they have lots of kind of like local drinks as well that um that uh compete with it would i just get uh, my coffee black in bolivia or are there fancy coffee drinks would i have it with some milk how, how would i how would i typically have a cup of coffee if i were in say la paz or some other uh, big city in bolivia you know, I, I, I've been writing about travel since 2017, 2016. And one of the things I've kind of noticed in that time is is how initially it was quite difficult. You know, in various parts of the world, it was often quite difficult to get a cappuccino, to get a good espresso or, 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 or whatever. Um, and, and, and kind of the step change globally that over the last few years where even in really remote places, you can get a good cappuccino, you can get a, uh, you know, you, you, you can get really, really well-made coffees. And that's the same in Bolivia. So, so you can, you can have, you know, you can, you can very much find, yeah, black instant <laughs> sold in a <laughs> plastic cup on the street. But, yeah. But you can also, yeah, but similarly, you can also find, you know, excellent, excellent coffee, you know, produced in cafes that really wouldn't look out of place, you know, in, you know, many other, many other parts of the world. I mean, I think the uh, coffee culture has really expanded, you know, across, across the world and you can, uh, yeah. So don't worry if you visit Bolivia, you can get some, <laughs> you can get some good coffee and definitely bring some Amazonian coffee back with yes. you. Um, yes. Yeah, not that would missed. be great to have a little uh, kilo of uh, coffee in the kitchen from Bolivia's Amazon region. Um, Shafik, before I let you go, I wanted to talk to you about uh, coca, which mm. is uh, a crop that is grown in Bolivia. And it was so fascinating for me to read uh, you talking about this because I feel like in the United States, we've had a, a 50-year failed war on drugs. And um, the, the, there's, there's definitely a bit of media bias when uh, we talk about these types of issues uh, in the United States, and I would imagine in in Europe as well. Um, And you introduce, I think, some more subtlety to the argument. Can can you talk a little bit about um, coca in in Bolivia, uh, how it's grown, how it's used, and what the issues are surrounding it? 
Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. So, so Bolivia is the world's uh, third biggest producer of coca, uh, and coca, if you've never seen it, I mean, I mean, it is kind of a, a bushy plant, has kind of short, straight, slender leaves, um, oval shaped leaves. Uh, sorry, slender branches, oval shaped leaves, and kind of these reddish berries. Right, so it, it looks it looks it looks very innocuous for um, something that has become kind of so controversial uh, around the world. I mean, cocoa has been used, um, you know, in the Andes by indigenous people for as long as eight thousand years. You know, essentially, it's a it's a mild stimulant. It helps to offset the effects of altitude sickness, uh, stave off hunger, thirst, and tiredness. Uh, it aids digestion. It can suppress pain to a certain extent. Compared to um, uh, you know other fruits and vegetables that grow in in uh, in, in in the the Andean parts of uh, Bolivia, it's very high in uh, vitamins and minerals. Um, but it's also kind of you know very strong kind of cultural significance. It's long been used in religious ceremonies as medicine, uh, as a form of currency, and as a social lubricant. You know, it, it kind of much as you know we might sit down for a glass of wine or have a coffee or a tea. Sure, sure. Uh, you know. Coca leaves and coca tea and other coca products will fulfill that role in Bolivia and other parts of the Andes and and have um, long done so. One of the first things that I would say is, which travelers quickly find out is there's no high per se from having from chewing coca leaves or having coca tea. You know, you often be given it to help stave off altitude sickness which um yeah which which it, it definitely has an effect but um but you, it's not going to get you high <laughs> per, per gotcha. se which a lot of travelers are disappointed with now <laughs> okay. but you know it's often you know this is a crop that's obviously you know had a very um kind of troubled history with you know with europeans and and, and kind of later as north americans i mean the, when the spanish arrived they con- condemned it as diabolical but they also became fascinated with it. You know, in, 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 in the uh, 19th century, coca wine became very popular. Uh, often, it often actually had, you know, once uh, the cocaine, which is kind of like an alkaloid within it, was synthesized. It was, you know, it, it, was, it was used in these drinks and tonics. You know, these were drinks and tonics drunk by popes and U.S. presidents, for example. Uh, it also obviously gave birth to uh, Coca-Cola, so the world's most popular, popular drink. You know, right, um, right. there's, 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 you know, you can see these wonderful, um, uh, 19th century adverts for coca tonics and coca wines. And they have, they'll, they'll have a Pope advertising it. Yeah. <laughs> this is how much, how, how part, how much it was part of, uh, um, uh, of, of our culture here in, 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 in Europe and also in, in the US. And obviously cocaine was very widely used for various, for various different things. Sigmund Freud was a big uh, enthusiast <laughs> for it. Um, and it was very popular, you know, it was sold in pharmacies, you know, um, but, you know, in the early 20th century, um, it was eventually um, outlawed in both the US and, and, and across the, across Europe. And then, you know, over the following decades, um, it, this eventually gave rise to the, to the, to the war on, war on drugs. Um, you know, which has been essentially, you know, it's, 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 it's been fought out in places like, like Bolivia and particularly the, uh, Chapare region, which is kind of part of the Amazon basin, which is where much of the crop and much of the, uh, the cocaine industry was um was was based and it's obviously had a you know a, a very disruptive and devastating impact on um on 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 lots of lots of people's lives and it really hasn't affected demand for cocaine which you know which you know the market is driven in 
by demand in the US and in Europe, you know, in, in here in the UK, we have very, you know, high, high rates of usage. And that's what that's what drives, drives the industry. And, and, you know, but today, coca leaves, which are very, you know, very different things as Bolivia will, 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 Bolivians will tell you quickly, you know, roughly one in three people use, you use coca leaves on a, on a, on a daily, on a daily basis. Um, one anthropologist that I quote in the book describes it as, you know, coca leaves are to Bolivians as tea is to the British. Essentially, hmm. it's, it, it, it's just a quotidian part of, uh, of everyday life. So if I'm in Bolivia and I'm feeling a bit of altitude sickness, how would I find cocoa leaves? Would I go to the grocery store and there would they would be packaged? Would I would there be a branch of them I would buy? I'm trying to visualize the actual uh, process. Yeah. So, I mean, if you fly into um, El Alto Airport to stay in La Paz, like most people do, you, you quickly go from sea level to uh, to over 4,000 4, meters. Uh, but if you say in any guest house, hostel, hotel, they will have both uh, coca leaves and coca tea bags or, or um, loose coca tea available for you. So it really, it will really find you. I mean, coca <laughs> okay. tea bags and coca uh, like um, sweets, um, uh, even coca chocolates, all of these things are sold, you know, widely in shops and supermarket. Coca leaves you'll see in its, you know, for sale in markets across across Bolivia uh you know you just you just buy them buy them by the weight really so it it's uh it's 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 very you know they 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 they're they're incredibly common and you know it it def, it definitely it's said to help with the altitude and um you know it's uh so so yeah yeah it's it's kind of an interesting taste it's it, it's i i'm not a huge fan personally i would say it, it it's a bit like you know Grass clippings is okay. how I describe the the tea. Okay. Others, others, others are, are keen on it, but um, but no, it, it, it it's widely available. And I should say, it, it, you know, coca leaves are, are perfectly legal in in Bolivia and in and in certain other South American countries. But do not, under any circumstances, take coca leaves or any coca products outside of the country because they're very much illegal in, you know, in the US and in the UK. And, in, you know, you can, uh, you know, and, and people do sometimes get in trouble for, for doing it inadvertently. Yeah, you could be in serious legal turmoil if you try to do that. I, I guess I didn't realize that it was used in, besides chewing it and having it in tea, I didn't realize it was used in products like candy and, and whatnot in Bolivia. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's used in lots of products. It's also used in rituals. So, um, you know, which is something we haven't, haven't really talked about. But, you know, it, um, when I visited the silver mine in Potosi um, and spoke to, to some of the miners kind of very deep, very deep underground, they use coca leaves, amongst other things, in, in some of their, their rituals to, you know, to ask for protection and, you know, to... To, to 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 bring to bring luck and avoid misfortune you know it, it they, they they have a lot of kind of ritual and ceremonial uses um as well as as well as as being used as a food or drink or a you know as i say a social social lubricant um and people are often surprised travelers are often surprised when they when they visit to find out how how ubiquitous they are but you know if, if you think you know in 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 the u.s how difficult is it to find a coffee not very difficult. And that's, and that's the same in Bolivia with coca. Chef Igmeji's new book, Crossed Off the Map, Travels in Bolivia, is available now. We'll have a link 
in the show notes for you to get this book. You should get it. I've read it. It's brilliant. Shafik, thank you so much for being back on Destination Eat Drink. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Always interesting stories. And best of luck with the new book. Thanks, Brent. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you again. Okay, there you go. It's always great to have Shafik on the podcast. And I'm so glad we got to talk about Bolivia, a place I definitely did not know much about and now got to visit. You can get Shafik's book, Crossed Off the Map, Travels in Bolivia, wherever books are sold. I've got a link to Shafik's website in the show notes at radiomisfits.com slash DED177. And it's been great hanging out here at the Mueller Farmer's Market in Austin. If you're ever here in Austin, this is definitely the place to be on a Sunday. And then you can walk about a block, block and a half over to Rebel Cheese, a vegan cheese shop and restaurant in Austin. I just posted a story about Rebel Cheese on my website, DestinationEatDrink.com. You can read it at DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. Well, that's it for this week. Next week, we're talking transplanted cuisine. Don't miss that. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. <laughs>